Look, I don't want you to think I'm nuts or anything. It's nothing like that. It's just that, well, it's just that I don't seem to remember who I am. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And we are joined uh, with a special guest. We have Leanne who joined us uh, talking about the Uncle Devil show. Um, welcome back to Strange Highways. Hi, I'm Leanne. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about something that's probably a little bit closer to the Twilight Zone we know versus the Uncle Devil show. Like yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. These are almost the exact yeah. same episodes that we're about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in all right, uh, being a little bit different too, which is uh, less snakes and bugs. L- yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true, um, and uh, less dogs with eight eyes and two tails and whatever <laughs> else. So, uh, so yeah, which I uh, missed that. Well, yeah. I, I wish we had more snakes and dogs with. Sure. Multiple eyes. Um, okay. I, I, all that terrifies me. So you can, you can do that. Um, so yeah. So welcome everybody. Strange highways. This is the anthology based show. We, we do cover the, we have covered the twilight zone and we're getting into some more of that tonight. Uh, but we did cover the original series spoiler. We're going to talk about that again tonight. And we covered the first season of the eighties iteration, both seasons of the revival that you can no longer find. Well, it's, you can rent it streaming, but Paramount Plus and their you know infinite wisdom no longer there. I know we've been taking our detours uh, and um, covering stuff like last week. We talked about the Hitcher. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and now, because we asked Leanne on, we we like to do we've done this once before. We we do a revisit of the original series. And well, one you know, if you're joining us now for the first time, then you know you go back and there's a whole lot of other stuff about the original series we covered already. But it's been, what, six years or so since I've watched that to cover it the first time? So why not? Like, And, and I asked you, Leanne, to pick one of, one of your favorite episodes, and this is your favorite. What are your favorites? Um, uh, I, yeah. I Gosh, I have so many. I know. You sent me a list. Uh, I so, did. Um, but I just figured if we're going to have you on. I saw said list, too. Like, yeah. wow. I was like, <laughs> okay. Which, fortunately enough, um, your list kind of, kind of, like, aligned with my list as well in some ways so like this is kind of fun because um this was one that was kind of closer in the top three for me okay good 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 so um what is it about the original series twilight zone that appeals to you i know i probably i'm sure we had a similar conversation leading into the uncle devil show but that's been almost two years ago so it has been a year ago right was it a year ago yeah it was a year ago yeah 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 so well, my mom really liked it when I was growing up, so it was always in the background. And you know, she liked the spooky stuff. She had a lot of Stephen King books, and uh, she liked the the creepy things, <laughs> and encouraged me to be creepy. So I fell in love with Twilight Zone. 
I mean, that's great. That's a good, uh, it's a good, uh, like step in the water, right? Like to get into, uh, it's very approachable. It is scary, but it isn't like, you know, since it was made for TV in the sixties, there's nothing in there. I mean, unless you're a little kid and watch it, and I'm sure there's some scary stuff that happened with people watching this at the time. Right. But, uh, but like with me, like what I talked about, there's that se- that segment in the eighties series called monsters with an exclamation point as much as Terry was kind of like, okay about it. I, even when I still think about that segment, I still get goosebumps because I remember how much it freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, cool. Um, and with that though, like of the list that you gave us, the one at the very top is where is everybody, which is the first episode that, that was aired. So season one, episode one, um, air date, October 2nd, 1959. Uh, Terry, I didn't do any day and date. Cause I was like, well, one, I failed at my job. And two, like, I think, you know, We've already talked a lot. We've done a lot of day date stuff already for these episodes, unless you had something to bring up. No, I, I think it's more important to incorporate the discussion with our, our guests here. So I, I it's like, I, I, you know, people remember that date and if they were there or they can do their own <laughs> or, or they can do their own research. I, I think it's more important to incorporate our guests. So, yeah. but um, yeah. So That's where I'm at with that. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me do a little bit of background here. Um, going into this. Cause this is the first episode of the twilight zone. However, the, there's, you know, but we don't need to get into time element so much, which was the backdoor pilot for the twilight zone. But I think it's worthy of mentioning that, um, that even though that, um, the time element, and this is from, I have three books in front of me. I'm excited to use, uh, the twilight zone companion by Mark Scott Sacree, which is okay book. My favorite book that I think if anybody's at all interested in the Twilight Zone and want to dig in further, The Twilight Zone, Unlocking the Door to a Television Classic by Martin Grams Jr. This thing is like the end all be all. I adore it. And then The Twilight Zone Encyclopedia. So if you want to be like, huh, creepy doll, and you can just go undersea for creepy doll and read about it, I guess. Whatever. Anyway. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so each of these kind of have some different information. So for once I'm able to incorporate all three, that doesn't usually happen when we talked about the original series, but talking about the time element, um, the, they, they basically say that it was an okay episode of the Desilu playhouse. However, um, the time element received more mail than any other episode of Desilu playhouse that year. And the newspaper reviews were universally good. Um, this was enough to convince CBS that it had made an error in shelving Sterling's script originally. Cause he wrote this as like the pilot for the series and they're like, nah. And then some, there was some stuff behind the scenes that uh, the guy who was trying to find content for the Desilu playoffs is like, I want to do this. And CBS is like, okay, but you're never doing something like this again. Cause they, they, they were uncomfortable with the, the concept cause it was dealing with the attack on Pearl Harbor. So, oh. but because, um, and you can go find that it's on YouTube, whatever, like it's, it's available to go watch. It's a, it's a, and it's also, that's why it gave me the, one of my favorite sound clips. Oh. That's from that episode from the time <laughs> element. Um, so it, it's just that it kind of started the spark to get, to get this being made. So I thought that was important. Um, so that's cool. But then since this one was the one written and the Sterling's like, okay, I got an idea for a script. Uh, that's going to be the pilot. Um, he, and I, Terry, I think you and I talked about this previously. It was a while ago though. Something called the happy place. Do you recall that at all or no? I, I don't recall at okay. this point right now. So this was something Sterling had written and it just never, ever got produced, but this was his idea for the original pilot. Uh, it is what's in here. It's basically, Oh wait, yeah, I, yeah. I, do, I do. I'm sorry. I, yeah. But please. It's it this, <laughs> this thing where it's like this futuristic society where um, after a certain point where people at a certain age, they, they go off to the happy place. They like go into an elevator and you never see them again. And it turns out it's like, it's like, you know, 
Uh, it's like Logan's run. Like, you know, you turn a certain age and you, you die. And there was something in there where, um, somebody was actually changing their, their, um, the dates on their records to stay out of the happy place. But then like their son found out and turned him into the authorities. And he was like, Hey, you know, basically like, you know, you're doing this and there's like potential that they might keep lowering the age to enter the happy place. And, um, and the, the guy who, you know, was like, has hopes for the future. And cause he believes in this weird society. He's like, I know. And I'm like, Ugh, that's terrifying. So anyway, that seems like a real positive story to start the twilight zone on of like, Hey, kill your grandparents. Welcome to the twilight zone. <laughs> well, I, I, didn't we have an episode where, uh, in the eighties iteration where you had to take a test and if you didn't pass it, yeah. Examination that. day. That was kind of, it, yeah, you're right. That's kind of the inverse where it's like, Oh, you're too smart. You have no place in the society. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not dark enough. I think they call that. I think they call that Florida. I think that's what that is now. So, um, yeah. So that, so it basically what happened was, um, whenever Serling submitted the script, you know, it was, it was not being depressing. And then everyone was like, Oh, we, this shouldn't, we don't like this. And they were worried that, um, that Serling would give pushback. And they, when they, when they told him, he's like, okay, then I'll go write another one. And he went away and came up with a completely new script and it's, where is everybody? So they were worried that he was going to actually like take it personal. But this is a man at this point that has dealt with so much rejection in a lot of different ways that he was also constantly working on ideas. Right. So like they were worried like, Oh, well this is going to be rough business. He's like, no, I'll just write another one. I still kind of wish that maybe if the powers that be, if somebody can like, get a hold of that completed script for the happy place and shoot it the way it was meant to, and do it in black and white, that'd be kind of a fun lost episode if they ever were to go around and do it. So yeah, that yeah. would be really interesting. Yeah. So I thought that, I thought that was uh, worthy of bringing up. Um, but yeah, so leading into that though, we'll go into the cast and crew, Terry, and then we'll, I have some other information here in a little bit about the episode itself. So who did what here? Okay. So our director on this is uh, Robert Stevens. Uh, he did another episode of the twilight zone and the, uh, the original series season one episode five walking distance so i i I can't really quite remember what that one was about but it's where the guy goes back he's like he's a salesman and he remembers he's driving around he ends up seeing like a sign for the the town he grew up in oh and there's like a fair yeah he ended up going back and he found out he actually went back in time and there's there's that sequence with the carousel that's beautiful um, with mm-hmm. all the Dutch angles and very, it's very um, like Hitchcockian how it's like very like a little off kilter and everything. Yeah. That's um, that's people hold that up as like one of the, the best episodes of the series as well. Yeah. And this uh, same gentleman worked on six episodes of playhouse 90 and 44 episodes of Halford Hitchcock presents. So, I mean, that's some pedigree pedigree there. So, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, if you're going to have, if, if you're really going to direct two episodes of the twilight zone, I mean, I think you did pretty good for yourself, right? Like <laughs> of the two we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And then we, this is written by Rod Serling. Um, just, you know, never heard of him. Um, no, uh, we, we, we're going to obviously talk a lot about him this evening. And, but I also want to point out here that the producer on this, the first three seasons was Buck Houghton and that guy, he was like, you know, the perfect producer to have with Sterling where he understood Sterling's vision, but he also was like trying to, you know, serve the masters of the studios in terms of like budgets and things. But he also knew where to draw the line, like to try it like creatively. Like he was like in lockstep with Sterling with a lot of this. And I feel like after uh, season three, when they were wobbling on renewals and then Houghton was like, I got to go find a job and went off to go do something else. 
that's when the show started. I mean, there's still good stuff in season four and five, but th- this was a good marriage. And I think it's important to just point that out. Um, and then also we have a uh, music by Bernard Herman. Um, the music in this is awesome. Uh, and Bernard Herman, we, we, you know, like just a great composer. We know him from uh, psycho and the birds and other things. Oh, yeah. very nice. Yeah, a twisted yeah, nerve. Got for him quite yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, so he also did the, I think he did this, this iteration, the first couple seasons, the intro music that we got was his as well. Uh, before we get into the, the, you know, what we know, the Marius constant, like, you know, the do, 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 do like twilight zone theme that becomes iconic. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the title sequence in this was Bernard Herman as well. So I wanted to mention that before we got to our actors. So, um, yeah. All right, Terry. Anyway, um, with all the people in this, right. Continue. Who do we have? Yeah. I, I, I'll, bring to uh like only three players i think those are the most important ones here so uh er holloman um he plays mike ferris uh he was in forbidden planet and he was also in 24 episodes of nightman i only bring that to light because and pun intended i guess um because <laughs> you and i watch quite a bit of uh always sunny mm-hmm. um <laughs> so the nightman thing i was like I don't know why that just stood out to me. Like, but it was a syndicated wait, superhero show. Man. No, it was yeah. a syndicated superhero show that um, was bad. It was real bad. But, <laughs> but like you know, like you like, I mean, you know, we could all relate. Like you know, there would be like the like you know you, you have your main station channels like your ABCs, NBC, CBS, but then you also have the ones that like you know like w- before Fox became like the thing it is, you'd have like a lot of syndicated stuff at nighttime, right, on the weekends and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Nightman was one of those shows. Like we've talked about, like you know, Tales from the Dark Side, monsters. You get some of this weird stuff, right? That was like, like Baywatch was syndicated, and it was like the number one show in the world. Um, but yeah, Nightman was something. Look it up. It's weird. Um, yeah, I think the guy, like I think the guy is like a jazz saxophonist during the day, and then like at night he's a superhero. <laughs> which that's that's. I mean, I'm already in, right? But um, and there was a crossover between that and the show Manimal. That was an NBC, like meaning the guy that played Manimal in the 80s. That was a one season thing. It's terrible. He came back and reprised that character of Manimal in Nightman. Why do I know this? I don't know, but I do know it. Because <laughs> Charlie Day is your best friend and he's told you all about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I wish there was an actual series that was the Nightman and the Dayman. That would be great. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So with, with, <laughs> so. with Earl Holloman, uh, he's still with us, by the way. Um, I, I noticed that. But some weird things here I just want to mention I think is great because you did mention Forbidden Planet. He was also in Giant, the James Dean film. Uh, Bridges of Toko Ri. just want to mention that just because recently uh, the El Goro covered that on his Talk Without Rhythm with uh, with uh, Trevor of the, the Theater War podcast. Uh, but I, so here here's some fun stuff I found out about Earl Holloman. He was so frail in his infancy that one doctor predicted that he would not live long enough to see childhood. But he was already a baby. I, like you're, Anyway. Um, but when, uh, his, what was like his like aunt's sister or whatever provided him with a generous dose of castor oil shortly after the ingredients provided to heal him tremendously and helped save his life. I have no idea what that means. Cause when I think of castor oil, I think of stand by me where you have the story of, you know, of the pie eating contest and the guy drinking all the castor oil before eating the pies. So I don't know 
Whatever. We'll leave that be. I looked it up a long time ago, and I couldn't get any clear answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then also, uh, later on, whenever uh, he was working at the Pasadena Playhouse, Holloman entered the Paramount lot by claiming he had an appointment for with a studio barber. So that's how he got on to the lot the first time. He was like, I'm just getting a haircut. I think that's amazing. Uh, and so I thought that, I thought that was wonderful. And then um, he was also in a TV show called uh, Hotel de Paris that its original episode aired the same night on CBS. And he was um, a, a lead character in that series. Oh, isn't that weird that yeah. he was actually like one of the stars of that series? The series didn't last long, but it did run like a season. Um, and also too, from 58 to 63, he had a, a brief but successful career as a singer. So there we go. This guy, you know, Good just for him. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, Earl Holloman, you know, just, he is the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> So there we go. That's what I have for him, Terry. Yeah. So that's a lot more than I had, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, next here we have uh, James uh, Gregory. He plays Air Force General. Uh, he was another episode of Twilight Zone. Uh, season three, episode four, The uh, Passerby. So okay. I don't know if you have anything to say about that episode, but. Oh, I I remember that now that you mentioned the name of the episode, but no, I don't have anything for him. I also had him in um uh, Kolchak. Sorry, who? Which was the actor you mentioned? Uh, James Gregory. James Gregory. Sorry. Uh, yeah, he was in an episode of Kolchak, the Night Stalker, an episode of Night Gallery, uh, the Manchurian Candidate. So yeah, uh, tons of episodes of uh, Barney Miller. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so th- those are the biggest uh, notes there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, so next we have Paul Langton. He plays the doctor here. Um, he was in an episode of Twilight Zone, uh, season four, episode 16. On Thursday, we leave for home, which we had a pretty lengthy discussion. It was one, about, of, your, it was so one I, of your favorite episodes of season four. I know that. Yeah, like it, that one a great it, deal. Was a lot, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was very interesting. And uh, if if nobody's ever seen that one, please revisit that one. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, season four has um, a lot of rough road, but there's some good episodes in there. So yeah, yeah, they're sprinkled yeah. in. But it, spr- yeah, sprinkled a- like lowercase s. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you had any other. Uh, yeah, Terry, come here. on. It wouldn't be an episode of the original series if I didn't find one Hawaiian eye connection. So it was in Hawaiian. Oh. Eye. <laughs> Um, well, I did yeah. find one. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't mean to mention it either. Yeah, so. and I, I was looking. Don't. I was looking all over the place for Johnny Midnight, and I could not find him. So it was not the right time for the Johnny Midnight. You so, couldn't find Johnny. Midnight. You could not find Johnny Midnight. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I have. Do you have any other notes? I have a couple here, and I'll run through real quick. No, go ahead. Dude. Okay. So we have uh, James McCallion as reporter number one. He was in um, a cool noir film called Kiss Me Deadly. People should check that out if you get a chance. Uh, John Conwell as Air Force Colonel. Uh, I wrote no mini credits. I think I meant to write not many credits. Um, <laughs> Jay Overholtz as reporter number two, the first of eight Twilight Zone episodes. So he's almost, um, oh, that the one gentleman that always showed up that was like, uh, Robert, uh, McCord, right? He's almost the Robert McCord of, of the series, but Robert McCord like, like had like what? 83. Like uh, unofficial appearances, but didn't he only show his face once or something? Like every so often, but I remember it was the episode. Um, oh, uh, where the guy had the like he it was like the dummy. Well, he was in the dummy. You're right. I think that was his last appearance. But it was the one where 
the guy woke up and like he remembered who he was, but nobody remembered who he was. And he he ended up getting like going to the psychiatric hospital and he just jumped through a window and then stole a truck and that Robert McCord was eating an apple and he saw his face there <laughs> and his, his credit on screen was man eating apple. Um, uh, per- person's known. I could, or un- only, I could yeah. only hope to be man eating apple. Yeah. I think the, the name of the episode was a person's known or unknown. I think that was like, I like I'm, I'm not far off in the title. Like I, you, you would think that I'm this like twilight zone expert, but you know, there's 130, some of those episodes, right? So, it sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so we have Jay, Jay Overholt. He's uh, first of eight episodes just to run them off real quick. Uh, one for the angels, which would be the very next episode. Think about machines. 22, the odyssey of flight 38 with the coolest looking claymation dinosaur, uh, <laughs> static in the jungle with an actual lion. Uh, and then uh showdown with Rance McGrew. Uh, so then we have, uh, after him, uh, Carter Malay jr. Is air force captain, six credits, six more credits than I have. Uh, Gary Wahlberg's report number three, Quincy medical examiner, 145 episodes, you know, it's a living. And then, uh, Jim Johnson's air force staff sergeant, eight credits. Then, you know, again, um, he was in the pilot episode of the twilight zone. I'll never be that cool. So that's, um, that's who we have for that. Um, before we get to the Serling narration, which, which is refreshing, right? The Serling wasn't supposed like the, the studio didn't want him to be the narrator. Right. So, um, and he kept being like, maybe I should do this. They're like, no, 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 we'll find, we'll, we'll find some like, you know, a big name. Right. So we'll find not you. Like that's pretty much what they were trying to go for. Right. Like they didn't want him to be a part of this at all. Well, No, they did. They just like, but they wanted somebody like in terms of like the narrative, like the, you know, they wanted that, like that star power. Right. They wanted, but you know what? The thing is that role doesn't need star power. It needs Sterling. And not only did he write those intros so beautifully, but his voice and cadence mm-hmm. with that, it can't be beat. Yeah. And like we even like Terry and I just talked about, uh, they did a revisit of like a re update of shadow play and the season, the eighties iteration. And the gentleman that did the, the narration for all of season one of the eighties iteration is uh, Charles Aidman, who has a good voice, but there's times where I'm like, you're just talking nonsense. I have no idea what you're doing, sir. But for shadow play, they actually had him read the same Serling dialogue that was like from the original episode. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you know, it's like, cool. That's Kirkland brand, uh, Serling narration, <laughs> you know, like we don't, yeah. you know, it just, you're, he has a cadence. He has, he has a rhythm to his writing and his dictation. That, you know, that, yeah, like it just, you, you, the, I don't know if I'm sure there would have been some success with this, but having this tied to him, like so directly and making like, you know, you can't separate the two that, that had to have been that in hindsight, I mean, it's the obvious choice, but how weren't people just seeing this immediately? You know, like it makes no sense to me. Um, yeah. 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 So here's the other people here that they, they tried to get on. So this is interesting. Um, they had this gentleman named uh, Westbrook, Westbrook Von Voris. That's a name. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they, they, they tried to get him on there, but, um, but then what was it? So he actually did, um, like the pilot, like the, the not pilot, but, um, when they originally shot this and they were like showing the studio, whatever. And it just felt very condescending. Like con- he was just like talking down to the audience with the way that like the way he was like saying things They're, like, we don't like this. They also tried to get Orson Welles to do, huh. um, to be the voice. Um, Which I, so, find, I find fascinating, like uh, with all the accolades that he has, mm-hmm. uh, I did, like him just being like, yeah, I don't want to take time out of my day to do this. Like this thing that 
he hasn't even been established yet. And you would like, think I though, think that's kind of where he would have been. Well, that's also really crazy to me because, well, like one, they felt like he was also being a little pompous with like his reads too. I mean, it's Orson Welles, right? Um, but considering that he had such a background in radio and then his, his first claim to fame was the Mercury Radio Theater, right? So you would think that, you know, if you want a voice that's going to resonate, Orson Welles is a good choice, right? But, um, but yeah, Sterling, he kept like telling him, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, I'd like to narrate this. And we're like, and, and CBS kept saying, well, we're looking for somebody. And then they finally settled on Rod, you know, which was a lucky decision. That's what the book says. Uh, Rod brought a kind of everyman quality. And that's true, right? Like, um, like this is a dude you just see outside and, and you know, you could like, you know, just he's, he is the everyman. And yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, it's such a, like, he is as identifiable with this, identifiable with this as like, as much as Hitchcock, like he would, like he was doing this before, right? Like with his, like with the, like his half hour show and he was the one bookending everything. And he had a ball doing that. Like, even though he didn't write like most, like he wrote like a handful or sorry, directed a handful of episodes. He knew that like people know the brand and can you tell me like, you know, in terms of like that era, like the, these are the two guys that would pop up when you think a lot about like, you know, suspense, uh, you know, like, you know, danger and like scary, spooky stuff. It just, to us, it seems obvious. Right. But yes, CBS yeah. is like, I don't know this guy, like, you know, he's not, you know, not this handsome man, which I would argue he is, but mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he, I don't want a gun for hire either. Like I don't want some guy who's like selling me a product that, he has nothing to do with like that. That seems a little bit more din- uh like yeah, disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I don't know, man, we haven't gotten to the, the nineties one with Forrest Whitaker being the host. We'll find out how we feel about that when we get there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we will get there soon. Yeah, so at some point, I mean, that's the, you talk about something that's hard to find and it's like it, the, the cost of it is like, Really? You're like, oh, really? You're going to charge that much for this? Anyway, we're going to probably do it. Um, uh, we're going to test our fans here real quick. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah meaning we, real quick being like three years A couple years, years from, from now, now yeah. Uh, but and even like in the itera- the newest iteration, at least with knowing that Jordan Peele was like one of the producers on it, like that made sense to me, right? And he ended up like writing an episode, right? Was it downtime? Uh, what we talked about in season two. Um, that, that fit, right? Like I thought that that like, you know, of course, you know, Jordan Peele already – you know, he was again associating brand, right? That make, it yeah. makes complete sense to me. So, yeah, so, yeah, especially because he's like really kind of like a hot name at that point too, when everything was dropping. Yeah, which that, I mean, that feels appropriate. So, yeah. Anyway, like I, I, you know, I agree with with that. I agree with like I'm glad that they eventually had chosen Sterling because I mean, come on, like you know, you're gonna have the person tell the tale. Might as well be him, right? And since he also was writing contractually obliged to write like. Oh, I forget how many percent of the scripts each each year. Like it, it, you know, the bulk of it was Sterling. So why would he not be the one front selling it? So, all right. Uh, with that being said, let let Sterling. We'll we'll take it away and we'll get into some. Uh, some I was gonna say walking distance. No, I mean we get we get some walking in the distance to begin with here. But yeah, where is everybody? The place is here. The time is now. And the journey into the shadows that we're about to watch could be our journey. You sons of bitches. That's uh, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just, could you imagine like you, you guys think you know what's going on? You have no idea. Um, like, go, like, what, why did you all of a sudden become Clint Eastwood? Right. Like, you sons of bitches. Relaxed, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Leanne, if you get a chance to watch time element, 
um, uh, because it's part of the Desi Lou Playhouse. Desi Arnaz comes out and, and does like the like the final narration. It is one of the more odd things you'll ever see um, seeing Desi come out like, you know, dressed in a suit and tie, but also kind of giving like this like half like watered down like explanation of the ending. You're like, come on, dude. Like it's like <laughs> right. it's like you're such a wet blanket, Desi. Yeah. Are, are there bongos behind it? <laughs> no, no. But then I, th- I think they transition into like a live, a live ad for selling a refrigerator. I don't, I, I'm not joking, uh, but yeah, <laughs> you're probably not wrong there. Yeah. Honestly. No, but, uh, cause it's like, did, did this happen? Was it a hallucination? Well, I think it was because this guy was under stress, but you guys can make up your own mind. I'm like, well, of course we can. We're not idiots. Desi, you know, <laughs> cue you the know. Cuban music. Like, I don't, I don't need no splaining. <laughs> I don't need no splaining right now, Desi. Anyway, so all right, um, so all right. Anyway, Terry, kick it off. Where like let's just run through this. Where are we at? So we get our main character of Mike, and he is walking through kind of like a like a, a back area of a town, and all of a sudden he happens upon a diner. And when he walks in this diner, he can hear the music. Like that's actually what he drew him to this area. That there's like this weird jazz music going on, which is wonderful too. I, I I like this bit of jazz too. It's like uplifting and everything. And when he walks in, there's nobody there, but he sees that there are, you know, obviously the record player is going. And then when he looks back into the the, the kitchen area, there's coffee brewing, but no one's around. So he has like no explanation. Like, all right, is somebody here? Did somebody like? Uh, suddenly just leave this area. Um, and he, we find out that he is a paying customer looking for somebody to take his money. Yeah. $2.85. Yeah. American. That's the important American. thing. American, you know, uh, but I, I, I like that he does see like, there's the broken clock he looks at. Um, even this is like my, you know, third or fourth time watching this. I didn't think about that until like going through it again. That's cool. But yeah, like, but also it's like, if you're going into a diner where there's nobody there, like to your knowledge, right? I don't know if the solution is to keep yelling your breakfast order over and over again. <laughs> you well, know? And, and the, the other thing that is somewhat curious and it, it just keeps on uh, being reiterated through this episode. The dude doesn't know his name. He's like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know what my name is, but I know I have money, American money. Oh, Yes. It is American money as he pulls it out of his pocket and looks at it. But he's like, but I know I want hash browns, eggs over easy. And I don't know how many people like suddenly know what kind of eggs they want when they're a child. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those things of like over easy eggs is something you develop over time. I don't know if that's just me as an adult. No, I, I'm forty years I, old. No, no, I, I don't think that's. I think what you're what you're saying is like when he's like even when he says is like I don't re- recall who I am. There are elements to him that are there available, right? Like meaning, right. like you know. So I think just because he doesn't know who he is doesn't mean he can't remember like his breakfast order, right? Like yeah, and so that's yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, oh, eggs over easy is kind of a a very like. Uh, finite thing when you want your, your breakfast like at least for me like I'm like when I thought about my breakfast for 20 years I'm like yeah eggs over easy <laughs> it's like 
I get it, Terry. Next time you come over, I'll make eggs over easy. I get it. Just but but before before I make eggs over easy though, I want you to be in like the the first floor of my house without seeing me and just yelling it over and over again. <laughs> you know, I just, that's what I want. I just want to be commanded to, to make you the eggs that you you desire, and I will charge you two dollars eighty five American for it. Well, the, the the like I think the most disrespectful thing he had done was like he just walked into the kitchen yeah. area and being like, "Hey, what what? I guess I'm gonna get myself a cup of coffee." <laughs> it's like, I, who does that? Well, he shows that he has a uh, um, the the like he doesn't care about counters and grabbing things. We'll get <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. Um, but yeah, but he you know I I, I like that um, he's like trying to talk his his way through it, which I mean. Uh, considering when this was shot and the way that Serling is a little wordy, like there's times where he, um, like, I, cause it's a, it's a very different time of transition to television, right? Where there's a, like there's, it's going to be very dialogue heavy. And sometimes like, don't let things just like exist, you know, like, um, the one revisit we did a couple, was it uh, two years ago with, uh, with Richard was the invaders, right? Where there's literally, oh, literally almost no dialogue in that episode. Um, right. and that's not written by him. That was written by Matheson. But like, there's times where it's like, you could tell with Sterling, like, how do I get across this one man show? Right. Like, um, and we even see this with like a time enough at last as well, where, you know, like there, there, and it's, and that's fine, but like give credit also to, to the actor here, to, to Mike, who uh, Earl Holloman, like, he just seems like the kind of guy that like, you almost get the notion that like, he needs to be social. So he'll even he'll even talk out loud to keep himself company. That's the vibe I kind of get as he's working his way through this, which is probably better than just us watching him and just hearing like a voiceover, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Leanne, you're going to say something. I, I'm sorry. I keep it, look at me stepping all over everything, <laughs> no, yelling I'm breakfast just orders. With you. <laughs> yeah, it's like it could it could have come across very stilted. And I mean, again, you know, this is a 60 year old episode, so like I get it. Like, there's going to be some of that a little bit in terms of how we watch television now and how we engage with media, but considering how wooden some of television was at this time, he's giving a pretty genuine performance. And he was even, there's some, even some notes in there. I wasn't going to highlight, but the director was so worried about the technical side that he's just like, he didn't give him notes of how to play the character. So he just figured it out himself. I I think this is the first example of a, a, a male playing a caring um, in, in a narrative. A Karen? Here, so. What? He's playing <laughs> yeah, a Karen? Yeah. <laughs> but like, what? But he's not going to call the, he can't call the cops today, but he's the only one. Right. So anyway, so I mean, but yeah. he's, he's asking for somebody's manager in certain, <laughs> certain ways here. Uh, <laughs> and then like when they cut to his hair being really high and like, you know, like the certain hairdo. No, no. Um, so, so yeah, anyway, like, uh, like that whole sequence of him getting the coffee, but it's like, he's trying to talk himself like, cause it's like, he's like almost like, um, it's almost like memento the film, right. Where he's like, like, um, talking out loud to be like, well, these are the things I know to be true, but what do I not know about myself? You know, and I yeah. think that, yeah, I think that works pretty well. And that's a good way to, to bring us on his side as well. I get that too. Um, I just, I, yeah. So anyway. There, uh, well, there's yeah. a couple of, there's one thing that he says later that is questionable, but yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Right. So then um, when we get him like talking about the breakfast stuff, he makes it, like, he, he just drinks the coffee, looks at the stop clock. And then he says something about like, I know I'm going to wake up in a minute. I just know it. That's a, that's a, that's a good line. And then, yeah. And then for as much as we feel like television wants to, like everything has to be filled with music all the time, right? 
and I talk about dialogue being all the time, rightfully so there are a handful of moments in this where we just let the camera like move across like the city or the, the, the city street or the town, whatever the town street or whatever. Almost and, to kind of remind you that there's no one there. Yeah. And it works, right? Like it's, it's a very conscious choice, but like it works where like, we don't have him talking. We don't have the music with the scores are amazing, but we have that. And then he was like saying like, I just found myself on that road walking before I got to the diner. So he's basically saying that he himself and us are catching this in media res, like in action. And we have no idea what was going on before. And he's openly admitting, I have and, no idea what and happened. And we're also yeah. there figuring it out with him. Yes. Yeah. So Except we can't talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because we're, you know, we, we, uh, we're waiting for our breakfast orders. I get it. Yeah. So, um, but it's like when I, when we talked about shadow play, like I mentioned that in passing, it's kind of like, this is like, it, it's, it's hinting at that kind of idea too. Right. Of like, we understand the structure of television or storytelling. So we, we always meet people when we first meet them, like in terms of like when we press play or, or whatever. Right. So we just assume that there was a life before this point. He's saying that there wasn't. That has to be really creepy if people are thinking about it. Yeah. Well, this episode creeps me out because I, I have this thing where I feel like I'm always being watched, even though there's nobody around. <laughs> is, is your is your husband staring at you right now? Is uh, just like Usually, op- yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's such a creep. Yeah, it's just like... Jesus Christ, dude. Like, anyway, I'm like, <laughs> take a picture. I'll last long enough. No, so, no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. We, I, 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 you know, we love Jeff. We love Jeff. And we love the both of you with the skewed universe. So we'll, we'll, we'll pimp you, pimp your wares at the end here. So, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yes. Um, but yeah, like when he goes into town, like I love that there's that tracking shot of him going along the street. That's beautiful. And also, Tara, I'm put this to you. How nice is it to kind of go back to like, film that hasn't been fuzzed out by a video transfer like yeah, from- i mean yeah really because uh, this is like genuinely like a good uh like a good shot everything looks pure the the darks look great um uh, i mean like it's 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 really like it's wonderful to just see this again and like especially when you see the transfers of like some of those uh straight to tape episodes like yeah yuck <laughs> well that but i was i was mentioning like how supposedly like they said that the 80s iteration was shot on film but then transferred it's like everything always looks so muddy and brown and like yeah. and just like not i mean because like well one the, i guess the original film is probably not available and if it is people are not going to pay the money to restore that which you know for better or worse but it's like like a segment like Nightcrawlers in the 80s iteration. Wouldn't it have been better if like if that was like shot as black and white film like this and been done? Like it would have been phenomenal. But yeah, like it's just it, it's almost like my eyes can relax because what's being shown to me is like you know beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, I mean like again about like the darks and everything. It's like there is still like you could still see everything in the dark here. Like, yeah. Right. It's almost as <laughs> like, if they understood how to shoot this and actually get it anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful sequence. Um, and then um, that's when he goes to, what was it? Um, the phone booth, right. With where the telephone rings and he runs to the booth and uh, he uh, goes and um, tries to talk to the operator and he gets, he gets stuck in the telephone booth for like uh, an inordinate amount of time. <laughs> like, but you can tell that kind of panic though, right? Like I can, I can, you know, you're, you're not thinking straight. 
the operator's not responding to you. Um, like, and you, you finally think you get some type of connection and then you freak out and you're like, I'm stuck in this, you know, glass box of emotion or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, like you know. <laughs> which, yeah, which, uh, I read, uh, that this was kind of an experience for Rod. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of like lost all sense of reality for a minute there and somebody had to help him out of the phone booth. Yeah. He panicked <laughs> and that's, he talked about how he got in the phone booth and couldn't get down. He's like, somebody help me. And then it took like this person like trying to help him by like kicking part of it, like open for him. But then they realized like, Oh, I screwed up. And he was like, what is wrong with me? type of thing. Right. But that sheer moment of human panic came into this and it's like, you know, like, and this isn't going to be the first time that Mike as a character, you know, is panicking and then have something like, you know, where it's like, if you just take a second, maybe this wouldn't be so bad type of thing. Right. So <laughs> if you just take a minute, yeah. take a breath. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, oh, I forgot. We missed, I, I missed, um, the, the mannequin bit. That's like, so he, um, went over to the vehicle. Sorry. He thought he saw somebody in a car and goes over to talk to them. And it turns out it's a mannequin. And I'm just like, wow, Twilight Zone, you know right from the start that you want to creep us all out with mannequins. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not only does he feel like people are there, but no one's there, but there's also a mannequin. Great. Mm-hmm. Like, if only they would have done, like, the weeping angel thing where you turn around the mannequins closer and then closer. Oh, no. And then close. No. Um, but, no, I like he that. Does, but- he does try to riz up the mannequin, though. <laughs> he, he does. Um, he this does try he to. He has a secret yen for the quiet type. <sighs> Get what I mean, babe? Oh, that might be what we hear at the end here, because it is um, very weird. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I've seen Carnival of Souls before I had seen this. And this that actually had made all of this that much more creepy. <laughs> um, I don't know if either one of you have ever seen Carnival of Souls. No. Um, um, please yeah. watch that because uh, it, I mean it's easily available because it's um, public domain. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that is probably one of the best horror films that I've seen in the last thirty years. Honestly. Well, I do love me some horror, so I'll be watching yeah. it. Terry, if please you, if, if you want to tell me, I mean, I know we have an idea of like having this, like what we're talking about next week. If we want to continue that thing, we can. But if you want to slate that for the end of August before we get into coming back to the show, we Dude, can do that. If you you'd got like. me, like if, if if we're gonna talk about Carnival of Souls, like honest God, like people need to watch that All because right. I think there is a lot of notes being taken from that film to kind of like build to something like this where it's just, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, please, please, yeah. please watch that. Film. Yeah, I will. <laughs> you know, I will. Trust me. I'm telling you, man, if I want to book that two weeks from now, we'll do it. We'll, we'll round out August with carnival of souls. Just remind me. Yeah, we can do I it. think I have like five copies of it. <laughs> it's well, always in those let, like 30 horror films you need to watch. Well, let me borrow four of them. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. And then, and then uh, you know, anyway, so no, like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, then after that, we have the phone booth uh, section with him. And then, then um, he says that I wish I could shake that crazy feeling of being watched and being listened to, which I, I think that's also great because it pays into the payoff of the episode, but it also, I know the word meta wasn't used then or like fourth wall breaks weren't like I mean, the fourth, the fourth wall we understood, we, people understood it. Right. But it's like, I love one of my favorite things is like, I adore when I like when something's being so direct in your face the entire time and you don't know it until they tell you it's been in your face the entire time. And then you go back through and you're like, Oh shit, this has been obvious this entire time. And I didn't even pick up on it. Like, I love that. Oh, it's so much fun where it's like, 
they know that they got you hook, line, and sinker, and you think you know what you're watching, and you don't know what you're watching. Like I, yeah, yeah I, I'm a sucker for that kind of like dialogue, right? So, um, but then that's when he goes into what was it? Um, the police station. There's the lit cigar, but also there's that shot too where when we see him and it, and it like it, it, it pans, not pans, it um, it zooms outward to the desk where the cigar is. We don't see the smoke until he looks for the that direction towards the cigar. Did you notice in that frame? Like there's no smoke in the frame until we start moving backwards. Uh, oh, like so it's kind of fun where it's like he notices a thing, and then we start to see the smoke, versus like meaning like. It's almost like, um, and I mean, this is paying off the episode. I mean, spoilers if people have watched this already. We covered it like you know years ago, but um, it's like this like weird like self realization thing going on in a lot of ways, right? It's like, like he, he, you know, it's just I thought that was a really cool shot. Um, but then he hears the 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 sink in the the one jail cell running, and then he goes in to try to you know confront that. But he also sees that like it's a hot like hot water and steam. And there's a lather brush for like shaving there and all this. So it's like, it always feels like he's like three seconds behind people. Like it's the, like the Langoliers or something, right? Like yeah, he's always like exactly. right there. Um, yeah. That, I, I feel like that is like a pretty apt uh, kind of comparison there because like when he, when he walks into an area, it's like, where did everybody go? Mm-hmm. And then like the gel cell, uh, you know, just kind of closing on him. It's like, wait, who's there? And I love the shadow play there too. Yes. Like that's actually really cool how they do that. And that's when he was like, um, time to wake up, time to wake up right now. Very effective, right? And then that's when he goes to the ice cream parlor. And I like I love that they they give him that moment to act against himself. That's a that's a really cool sequence. But it's like again, going behind the counter and be like, you know what? I don't, you know, I didn't get my ice cream. I sorry, I didn't get my eggs, but I'm getting my ice cream, which um, we could all we can all relate. You know what? The, the world might be over, but if we're going to go into an ice cream parlor, we're getting ice cream, right? Like that's, you know, you, you, <laughs> why not? You, you know, have you have you guys ever seen a one man show before? Either no. one of you? No. Um, it yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I I would suggest that like to see a one man show kind of builds to this energy and like this, the, uh, like with our lead character, um, because I don't have a mouse, Mike, Mike, yeah. um, be him being himself and kind of talking to himself that builds that tension that much more. And I think that it's like such a wonderful thing, especially now that I've seen a one band show and it, like it kind of builds that, uh, that idea. It's like, there is so much more here to kind of come to grasp with in how you play off yourself mm-hmm. to make it captivating from a viewer. Well, and we, we will even see um, this later in was a nervous man in a $4 room. That's a cool mm-hmm. episode. Not perfect, but cool. And then even, I know it's one that we saw in season five that you weren't the biggest fans of it. And I understand was, was it um, the last night of a jockey? The one with um, um, yeah. Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you talk about a one man show. That is just a one man show, right? With him, right? So, like, um, so, like, yeah. But I like that we are also being introduced to the idea of the mirror there, like, being mm-hmm. like, you know, like, so I thought that was cool. But I like he's like, oh, this face is vaguely familiar. And then he starts quoting like Dickens. So, again, mm-hmm. it's like he knows his shit. He also knows his preferred like ice cream, you know, like, you know, Cool, but does it still know his name? So, like, <laughs> yes, we keep calling him Mike because, yeah, we know his name's Mike later, but yeah, like, uh, about him. And then eventually, what was it? Um, 
then he goes through to the different, like the, 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 the spinner racks, which, you know, ask your kids, sorry, ask your parents about spinner racks, kids out there. Like they used to be a thing. <laughs> Physical media used to be a thing. Uh, uh, you know, ask your parents. Um, maybe they don't know. Ask your grandparents, whatever. Uh, but I like, um, I like that the, the, the one book was the last man on earth. And that was like, like it kept like, it just, that was cool. Like, I mean, it's just, again, it's hinting. I also love that this thing's like hinting in a couple different ways. Uh, about like where we can go with this and how that freaks him out. I thought that was a really cool shot. I, I liked him seeing that and then freaking out. I, this, yeah. Cause yeah. you're expecting things to be different and it's like, well, what the hell's going on? Something isn't right. <laughs> yeah. And to this point in the episode, it could go like so many different directions. Right. And I think that's like, you know, could, could it actually be, you know, a situation where there's nobody around anymore? Could it be, he is a doll stuck in a, like in a tiny town, you know, which we saw that and, you know, <laughs> the stop over to quiet town in season five, is right? He secretly dead. Yeah. Is he dead? Um, it, yeah. Is this, is this the one, uh, area of the fear, like of was it the, um, the graveyard and elegy that, you know, that the yeah. bodies haven't been placed in yet. We don't know. Right. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I love all that. So, but then we go to the commercial break. We come back and it's turning nighttime. Um, I'm going to make a really bad joke right now, but I really, I hope you guys appreciate this. Um, he was just kind of like minding his business. Terry, what was he doing before the lights came on? Uh, he was playing tic-tac-toe with himself. Yeah. So here it is. He was wasting time doing a tic-tac. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Boo. Oh, boo, God. boo, boo, boo. What? <laughs> Everybody loves the Tic Tac right now, right? Uh, wow. All right. Bravo. You are, Bravo. You are a rare form tonight. Actually, rarer than I am. Um, <laughs> well, no, but, I, I but know that I didn't make that far, joke. This is not far. I, 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 don't, I, I understand the joke, but I like I, this is not far removed from what anybody else would oh, be no, doing. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What, what I'm saying like, is, I know I would have made this joke like six, seven years ago because TikTok wasn't a thing. So, yeah. everybody, you're welcome. That's what I'm saying there with that. So, <laughs> so that's when the applaud, theater... Yeah, applaud him yeah, if yeah, you'd yeah, like. Sure. Um, Here, wait, wait. Um, where is it? Here, how about this? Oh, shut up, Paul. There we go. Talking about shadow <laughs> play. Oh, I thought you were going to play the other one. Oh, oh okay. Oh. oh, but Terry, Terry, go. what what about this? <laughs> All right, anyway, so That's which one's like my it. favorite? Which one's my favorite? <laughs> which one's your favorite? Uh, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> my favorite is robot. Mm. Robot. Do I have? Oh, I have a robot. I have a robot. I, I have a robot. I do. Um, <laughs> from the lonely, you know. Yeah, there we go. Thank so. God he has his soundboard. Um, <laughs> right? I want to. I want to walk around with a soundboard so I can just be like. Uh-uh. <laughs> you, know, you 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 want to be like morning morning radio show like you know like you know like was it like like Terry and the Sloth or whatever in the mornings I don't know I don't know oh, be, like, stop <laughs> mine would be better I, I believe um, it you know um yeah so anyway so that's when we get like the bit where the lights are coming on in the, the, the town and then that's when the theater lights come on um, which uh, again in the trivia I wasn't going to get into the name of the theater is the Savoy um, that name would show up multiple times in the series. Uh, as the like theaters called the Savoy and oh. every, and well, because it's not why you think it would be. It wasn't because there was like this kind of like hinting at like, um, like continuity. It was because it was a legal thing that like certainly looked and found out there wasn't a theater chain in the U S named the Savoy or a theater. There was one over in England. So it was basically him trying to make sure they didn't get sued by anybody for copyright. Oh, okay. So once he found a name that worked, he stuck with it. 
But it's also kind of fun to have headcanon, right? Like that this name would show up over and over again. He also was like, people at this time, you're going to watch this once. You're going to catch the rerun. You're never going to put two and two together. Because he he had no, who would have ever thought of the way that we consume media now at that time, right? So I thought that was interesting. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, masterfully done though, too, on his part. Um, Because there are so many theaters now or or so businesses or whatever, right? Yeah. So, like, I yeah. get it. So, um, so yeah, that's when we get to the theater bit there, where um, the movie poster he goes up and sees that like was it, the name of the film was like what Battle Him, I think it was the name of it. Um, and he sees the poster, and the person on the poster is dressed like him, and he's like, "I'm an air, I'm Air Force." You know, I'm. He starts to figure it out and starting to put two and two together, but he's like, "But how, why do I know that?" Right? And I like eggs over easy, like. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. And I know Dickens. I, I'm a worldly man and I'm sexually attracted to mannequins. And we don't talk about that too much, but you know, it is what it is. You know, <laughs> I like, I like cheap cigars and mannequins. I'm, I'm a $2.85 American. You know? As much as I want to commend the writing, um, there are a little bit of loose ends here. Like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, that's why I first discovered the, like, um, your eggs are kind of a really personal thing. Yeah. I, judge me if I'm wrong here. Um, no, but I think that's yeah. a lot of people just randomly say eggs over easy sometimes, but I say over medium because I know better. Mm. So I agree. You you know your eggs and your eggs are very specific. So, okay. Here, here, okay. Brief aside. Um, I finally have like, cause like my wife loves, loves eggs over easy. Cause she likes having a, like a, a gooey egg with like toast. Ugh. Right. So what, what's the difference between that and like <laughs> over hard, right? Because like, where is that just a matter of timing? Like I'll ter- send you a TikTok that explains it. Okay. My, my brunch this last Sunday, I was pissed that mine were over hard. Okay. I was mad at right, well, but I, mean, I didn't speak to their manager. I mean, I like Mike would have. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> I, I've, I've been getting into like getting, like making like a hash and then putting like an over easy egg and cutting that open and just letting it all, yes. you know, yes. it's just, oh my yes. goodness. Yes. Yeah. Um, the best, dude. I, I, it, it's taken me a long time to finally come back around to eggs. I used to not like them as a kid. You know what? I don't like hard boiled eggs. Those can go be wasted because I don't want them. Those are disgusting, but like, you know, give good, them to me. I'll eat them. <laughs> a little bit of salt. You're good. Is that, is that what it yeah. is? Like, Oh, I, just, I, I like a little bit of mustard. I yeah. just want, I just want people to understand if you remember ever owning a computer mouse before the laser mice where that little, that little ball in the mouse, that is, that is a hard boiled egg, a uh, yolk that's inside there. <laughs> the yellow. Yeah. They, that's they what it is. Yellow. And it, because you roll around so much, it turns gray inside the mouse. That's what happened. Right. Like people need to understand that. I will say that there is a place that I uh, went to recently. Uh, I love deviled eggs, but there is a place I went to recently that has the best deviled eggs and you put a pickle on it. Oh my God. Everything you're saying there sounds disgusting. Oh my God. I mean, they're, they're evil inherently (laughs) of the devil. Um, I'm I'm, uh, Satan. Come into me. Good Lord. They are so good. It's a place by, uh, there's a, a venue here in Northeastern Ohio called Blossom. There is a venue or um, there's a restaurant nearby that has the best deviled eggs. And they're the ones with the, the, the pickle. Oh my God. 
I'll, I'll put that at the end of our notes. If anybody wants to. <laughs> like, like we're like, hey, everybody go check out Screw Universe. By the way, there's also a pickle restaurant, a, egg, a deviled egg pickle restaurant in Ohio. Go check it out. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why, I know come, I, to, uh, come to Ohio. Yeah. Anyway, I, guess, I guess I know what I'm making like when you come over next. So, all right. So anyway. Dude, don't even tease me. <laughs> I do, I, come on. I'll, I'll do it. It's fine. Anyway. So. All right, yeah. So he goes to the theater after, like, he runs to the lobby. He's like, "I'm Air Force. I'm Air Force." And it's like, again, that'd be a weird thing to say anyway if there's people around, right? Like, you know, uh, like whatever. So then he hears, like, was he goes to the theater? Here's the projector kick up, and the movie is showing like jets and Air Force stuff. But and he, bombers he and yeah, stuff. yeah. It's a it's a really good looking shot. But with him, like, understanding the projector's running, he's like, oh, there must be people here. Again, three seconds behind, nobody there. And that's, so creepy. Yeah, yeah it, it, it works, right? Because there, there is, that's the other thing, too, people are going to miss, is the sound of an actual, like, you know, film projector firing up. And you hear mm-hmm. that, like, you know, like, there, there's something there that is ingrained within me. Like, I'm not trying to be like, you know, like, you know, 80s kids remember, or whatever, or 70s kids, or whatever. It's like, there's something very um, tactile to that that you, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, can re- relate to. And there's something very effective of, of having that, like that sound and then nobody in the, the projection booth. But then that's when he starts freaking out and we get him leaving. The, well, before he leaves the theater, um, this shot, like it is a little bit comedic, but the way it's framed is amazing where he goes running downstairs and we, we think he's like, you know, running towards us, but he isn't. It, he runs directly into a mirror and the thing shatters, mm-hmm. but the way it's framed, like they, they cut the edges off the mirror. And if you were paying attention, you'd understand the staircase doesn't make sense because it was one direction earlier and now it's flipped. Right. And then, mm-hmm. But again, during broadcast, you're not going to notice that. And him running towards a mirror and breaking it and, and shattering reality for all intents and purposes um, is a very effective moment. And that's when we get from him after that running outside. And then the whole thing starts turning Dutch angles. And it's very, um, like you get these like cockeyed, like camera positions and that that's supposed to make you uneasy, rightfully so, and mm-hmm. make things feel like, you know, not, nothing, like nothing's on the level. And that's when we have him run towards the optometrist and sees the eye. And I'm like, of course it's CBS that's judging you. Like you got to do good, you know, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's like him like freaking out. And it's like, so, and then he, I like how he runs over to the crosswalk He's like, does somebody help me? Somebody help me. He's pressing a button the entire time. But I'm like, um, I understand that you're looking, like, it's not, it's not voice activated, but I, <laughs> it's like, like, yeah. Sorry, Terry, go ahead. Thus far, it's the best. Are you afraid of the dark episode? I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So he's pressing the button. Listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Right. Um, so, so he's pressing the button, asking for help. So, Leanne, this is one of your favorite episodes. So, what happens next? Oh, I, well, I didn't rewatch it. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, you know this. Like, that's, the reveal yeah, comes. So the reveal comes here. And and yeah, by rewatch, let's let's specify. You said you watched this episode multiple times. It isn't like you're like, yeah, like Twilight Zone. What's a like Bob Serling? Yeah, it's cool. Let's just get in there. We'll talk about him. Like, no, you said this is one of your favorites. You've seen this a lot, so you know you know what you're talking about. Yeah. So we. We, I, if I remember correctly, we snap to see, we see these guys, mm-hmm. um, and they're I think they're talking to each other about this they're guy. Kind of man playing everything. 
Yeah, um, and essentially he's a pilot. And I don't. Were they doing some kind of testing or something like they that? They were. It's it's a depri- it's, it's basically an isolation test because yeah. there's a bunch of military and people watching, like to see how far he would go before he'd snap. Isn't that crazy? Like that. I mean, uh, oh, bonkers. It's kind of scary because this is the psyche of Mike that was kind of like in like totally immersed into this mo- this world, and he had no say whatsoever. So he's being he he's actually being dragged out of it. Yeah, his so, mind is like turning in on itself because it can't comprehend what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. so what happens is when he like because we cut to the shot where we see like a video monitor of him saying please help me please help me before they take him out of this like you know tiny tiny enclosure. One he 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 um punched the clock face in there and and that is the same time as the broken clock that we see earlier in the episode. Um, Which is kind of scary because he keeps on doing it. Like, yeah. There's actually a bodily harm um, part of this, too, that's like he just keeps on striking it multiple times. Yeah. And I, I think that's pretty effective in itself, too. And yeah. and actually, I, I, I have a very dark, twisted brain. And one of the things I was looking into, you know, a while ago was animal experiments and they used to do these experiments to these monkeys where they would actually deprive them of contact with each other mm-hmm. to see like how sad and lonely they could make them and they wound up hurting themselves and killing themselves yeah and there was even like some like messed up experiments where they were trying to find ways to maybe nurture babies without human contact and how mm-hmm. they would just give up because they, they oh. wouldn't, they, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Like it doesn't take much to break a person's brain. Right. Um, the yeah, Mike, so, Mike so not only back. is it creepy because he feels like he's being watched and he feels like someone's there when there isn't, but then his, his brain is being jumbled. Yeah. Well, cause he is being watched and also like, you know, the whole thing of like, this is a dream I'm waking. I need to wake up. Like, cause it's like his brain telling him like this, this is what's actually going on. And, but yeah, like, um, just <laughs> like I said, it doesn't take much to, to, to screw us up with isolation. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, I mean, they putting into a further conversation, like, you know, when people were put into the quote unquote, like, you know, the hole in, in prison, it's, this is, it's that as well without any thing else. Right. So yeah, yep. like, um, so, but yeah, um, he was in there for 400, 484 hours, uh, which is about 20 days plus Oof. without contact. And the whole thing was that it was them testing because he is an astronaut. Well, he will he will be an astronaut um, because they, they they're trying to say, hey, we're we're aiming for the moon because this like since this came out and uh, 59. Um, we would be 10 years out from the moon landing. Right. But the space race was a very realistic thing. And I have some notes about this, about the the there is a weird uh, parallel that happened right around this time that this thing aired. And him being like, okay, like I, I understand that like I'm putting myself in this position to see how long I can be isolated without contact because the goal is to get up there because I'm not going to be in contact with anybody. And then when they break him out though, it's like, he's like, oh, thank you. Like everyone's like talking to him. He's like, oh, I'm good now. Like what's going on? It's like, yeah, you tried your best buddy. <laughs> like they just like, like <laughs> oh, and it's like somehow it's like, oh, you're going to be okay now. Like, no, you're never going to be no. okay. Like, <laughs> <you know? No. laughs> 
Yeah, I, I will not say that I've ever been through special training in that, but I know some people that are Marines in that. Uh, you test yourself mm-hmm. big time. And so the idea that Mike was being kind of subjected to all these different things that maybe he didn't expect, but he signed on for, is not far from the realm of like what a lot of people would have done to mm-hmm. just kind of achieve something to serve God and country in that. Like, I like I can I can see this wholeheartedly, but like the way that the the brain is fractured, no one could ever expect. Yeah, it's really it's it's really crazy and intense. Yeah, I mean, especially now that we understand, like we're having a better understanding of trauma, right? And like the way mm-hmm. people react to things, and we know, like we know certainly, like with um, Sterling and his time in the war. Um, I think it was the the Korean war, um, how like just, he, uh, he got some shit. He almost died on the battlefield. If somebody didn't drag him out of place at one point, like, so the dude has seen things and he talked about how when he got back and was in like in college, he was trying to find ways to like, to, um, express his anger and frustration because he just, because it kept boiling up inside him. Right. So, and writing was the one way he could deal with this and just tell stories and, and be available. And, like, yeah, you know, and one of what you put in your list, Leanne, like one of your favorites is the Purple Testament. Like, that's another mm-hmm. one of him, like processing all that. Like, this type of trauma would never leave him. And the way he was able to express this, I think also, I mean, even time element to a degree, because it was dealing with Pearl Harbor, which was really not that far away, all things considered from when the, the air date of this, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yep. Yeah. And so, like, yes. And, but there's also that TV thing of this, like, well, he'll be okay now he's out of the box and he's just like, and they're like, yeah, well you were all, you were in there about the time to like the next time we're going to put you in there. It's for real. And then we get like Mike looking up at the moon. He's like, don't you go nowhere. You big, <laughs> you big floating circular mannequin. I'll be up there, babe or whatever. So yeah. Like, um, yeah. Because but but, I mean, even, even at that, at that same juncture though, like this guy's whole existence at this point, is to do something more, something greater. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, when it came to the space race, these people were like legitimately whole hog. Like this is my service now. Like this is what I want to do for my country. And that's not, I mean, like that's not far from what, uh, you know, he's dealing with right oh, now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's what like, I'll get to that in a second, but, uh, so yeah, um, before we get to like the twists and things, I just want to mention since this um, this was premiered in October second, we said fifty nine. Um, there was a couple like it was sent out to like people to preview to write about, but um, there's somebody that we know um, that is uh, Charles Beaumont who um, was part of this. We are because already pre production, he was already part of it in Matheson as well. But he wrote um, here. Where, where's the quote here? Um, on October 2nd, 1959, a new television series will be launched. If it is anywhere as successful as certain powers are betting, the dream of every green-blooded science fiction fan will come true, and we'll have, for the first time, decent science fiction and fantasy drama on a regular basis. If the series uh, turns out to be uh, successful as hoped, um, then something like a revolution will occur. The series that will spark this revolution is called The Twilight Zone. If the show fails, it won't be because we haven't tried. Uh, even now, producers all over Hollywood wait poised, ready to jump abroad, um, aboard, abroad, aboard. <laughs> they only uh, want to see if it's a bandwagon or a funeral quarter, uh, quarter, quarter, uh, funeral carriage. I'll say the word carriage because I can't say the other word. So I like that Beaumont's like, hey, you, got, you, you guys have been starved. Like, feast. Please let people know. 
And that's like caught like, and this is, this is like their big, like their first coming out swinging. Um, and like, I think all things considered in terms of a pilot, it, it is a very much a, um, it's, it's a proof of concept. I mean, as much as like time element is right. But it's like, you know, serious storytelling dramatically done, uh, treating the audience like adults. Right. But it also being like, you can't be sure where this is going. Like this is like, this is all the elements of the twilight zone with the exception of certainly being on screen and smoking a cigarette and talking to you directly. Yeah. And at the very least, um, there's a lot of influence for the creators that we have been so uh, attentive to watching all their stuff. Like John Carpenter, uh, you know, uh, God, uh, Mick Garris loved the Twilight Zone. Like, there, I mean, the list kind of goes on, but like, I don't really feel like we have enough time to kind of encapsulate every single person that's been influenced by this series alone. This was the the lighting of the fuse, and the fact that it actually got some steam, so we could at least have five seasons, and then subsequently have more like iterations of it like that's incredible like rod serling had a dream and he achieved it and 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 i think it's a wonderful thing that this was the first thing that we could have seen and it was actually really really good you know like (laughs) revisiting it it's it's still like it kind of gives me like uh goosebumps to watch oh then i'm glad i picked it then yeah well, for sure. And it's like, also, I mean, I know Sterling's goal was to actually like have like, like, um, significant, like, uh, uh, he was all about anthology television and in, he was like, he may not have like, he may not have been drawn to science fiction and horror, uh, and fantasy, but he understood that like, that there's some latitude there and be able to get his social commentary across. Right. And so, yeah. so even though he kind of embraced it later, this wasn't necessarily his initial goal, but if this is his way to actually have like grown up TV that interests him, you know, like versus like every uh, throwaway Western or sitcom, like a mission accomplished, you know? So I think that's worthy of note. Um, it, it bridges yeah. the gap between the writer and the studios themselves mm-hmm. and the powers that be that says, well, I don't think that's going to work. Well, at least we have a platform now that we can do that and give a, uh, an audience that, uh, well, it sounds kind of cool, but they're hitting heavy hitting subject lines. Well, and also it shows the studios that like, Hey, there's an audience for this, you know, like, and, it, and they're not, and they're not stupid. Yeah. I mean, the granted, the, the, the viewership was never as much as CBS wanted it to be. And that's always been, a, hey, that's going to be a through line for everything. The twilight zone's ever done, you know, <laughs> spoilers, but like the fact that like, you know, there was only like three, like three or four television. I think um, DuPont was still a channel at the time, but there, there, there wasn't much programming. So you like, you had to find what you wanted and like make your choices. And with this being like, you know, it, it was different. And then they would also show that like television could, could change in the sixties like this. And then even though Star Trek only had three seasons and was canceled until people wrote it, you know, wrote letters to get it reacted, like uh, renewed for a third season or whatever. Like, it was showing that like TV could be just different. Like, like it was a new medium. And I still even think now it's like, like television is going in different directions. And like, I, and I'm not saying the twilight zone was first. And I'm not saying that like, of course, cause like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock presents and all that. And then like, I know like with shortly after this came out, like there was even that show one step beyond before this. And then after this, we'd have the outer limits. Like we, we could tell that like, 
they're, they were reaching in different directions. And it, but if you could show that it could be done competently and confidently, that just keeps opening the door more and more for more, you know, possibility. Right. So I think yeah. had this thing fallen on its keys and been absolutely terrible, I don't think the twilight zone would have come out. Like, I don't think it would have come out the first season. Right. Cause it and, kept and, building and creating and creating the renegades that they did. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like that's like, I, I think that's probably the most important part of this. We created renegades from this alone. I mean, you're going to bring Charles Beaumont and, and Star in this. Trek. Yeah, and you're going to you're going to bring Trek Beaumont like, in here. He who never he never met a fight he wouldn't fight. <laughs> you know, like it's just he he seemed like a hell of a dude, but he was he was he. You're right. He was an outsider, right? And and take chances on him and Matheson and George Clayton Johnson. Yeah. So so yeah. Um, any other any other thoughts about this, Leanne? I know this is one of your favorite episodes. I know. I'm sorry. I've talked way too much. I apologize. I'm not a good host. <laughs> no, you're perfectly fine. Uh, no, I had nothing else to add. Um, just that it was super creepy. Okay, Terry. Anything else? I got some. I got some trivia. Uh, well, uh, I think this is like uh, a good platform to invite guests on. Um, like, I, I thank you again for being a guest. You're welcome, Terry. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leanne, you, you, Leanne. Uh, get out of here, Paul. Uh, okay. Like, Wait, uh, no, here, thank here. You for, there's how I feel about this. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Leanne, it was really important for you to come back, especially for like one of the like real platform um, episodes for me. Because this is a really important episode for me as a viewer of The Twilight Zone. So thank you for agreeing to do this one because I it, it, like I was leaning towards another episode, but this was at the top three. Like I said earlier, like this was wonderful. Um, uh, God, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Yay, I'm so glad. No, it feels it feels like it's Kismet where it's like, hey, you want to come on? And it's like one of the episodes you pick is the first one. Like, yeah, why not? That makes that makes complete sense, right? Before we yeah, go back this into it, yeah. Is badass, yeah. Dude. Like seriously, like yeah. this is. If you really kind of encapsulate what like the Twilight Zone could be, this is like the first idea, and obviously it was the first of first. You know, it's like, but it, it really you get an understanding of like where they're going with everything. And honestly, if I was like in 1959, if I was like a ten year old kid, I'd be like, "Give me more, please, please." <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like in terms of like. Even even like the people that were like reading the stuff in like the pulp magazines, right? And be like, oh no, this like this is for me, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah versus a yeah. Ho- Hotel Perry, you know, yeah. And we really didn't even discuss that, like, because like at that time and period, it's like all those magazines that were going on at that time. It's like there were so many different storylines. It was like kind of inviting you in. Now we get a a visual of that, like on on a television. Like that's so important now Mm -hmm. to this kind of a building of everything that is the twilight zone. Oh, for sure. So, all right. So I do have a little bit of trivia and then a, a thing that was written in the story that I think would have been like, for me would have been like that chef's kiss on top of this. We'll talk about that in a second, but in terms of the space race, let's get into it. Uh, the time period in which this episode aired was amidst the space race, um, in which the United States and Soviet union competed to explore outer space with uh, artificial satellites, as opposed to like what natural satellites, like what you're just launching a cow up there and hoping for the best. Anyway, I know they, I know they launch dogs, but I'm saying like, yeah, anyway, um, uh, sending humans into space, landing a man on the moon on March, I'm sorry, on September 13th, 59, the Luna two, a Russian spacecraft crashed um, 
onto the moon, man's first physical contact with our orbiting neighbor. I like that Russia's like, we're not going to actually like bring anybody, but we're going to punch the moon in the face. Anyway, so um, <laughs> like that wasn't the I Lumiere brothers. Uh, like was a trip to the moon. We're just going to jam a rocket in its eye. Uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> um, on October 7th, uh, 59, the Luna 3 sent back the first ever photos of the far side of the moon on October 2nd. Again, um, so that that was on, what was it, um, October 7th that happened. So five days after this episode aired, on October 2nd, it says here, Mike Ferris snapped out of an isolation experiment on network television. You know, so like we're like the space race was very much in front of us. Like a few days later, Russia would keep showing how they're they're beating us, right? And so when you talk about like for you know for flag and country, Terry, that, that you, that's exactly like we hundred percent right. So I thought that was interesting. And then also in a draft of the script, it was written that when when Mike would go to the theater, he would pull a ticket out of the ticket booth and tear half of it off and put it in like a little receptacle, uh, and then you know keep the other half. It goes in the theater. When they were taking him out on the stretcher, you would have found the other half of the ticket in his pocket. Oh. I kind of like it. Like, that would have been... That would have been... I think that yeah. would have taken it a step too far because yeah. the way it is now, it's more realistic. It's just about him losing his mind. But mm-hmm. that, that's like the the twist yeah. The extra twist. Well, it almost, it's like you could tell, cause what was it, the, the season? Um, was it the, was it the second episode of season two or no, the first episode of season with the King nine will not return. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, that guy, you know, we, he ends up in a hospital because of like whatever, but he has sand in his shoes or whatever. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. like I was mad at that because it didn't feel like it was earned, but it's, it's just, you know, <laughs> right. like I, but, but, um, but it's almost the same thing, but you could tell Sterling kept that in his back pocket, like pun intended. To use mm-hmm. that as a device. Like, I think that would have, I agree with you. I like that this is still grounded in the reality of like, this guy's he's broken. Right. And like, we can still tell you stories and be terrifying, but there is a realistic basis in this. I do wonder, cause that would have added that little extra spice that like the twilight zone can do that as well. Right. Like, yeah. leave, you, leave you a little, like, you know, pretty topical yeah. too, because we can see that the government is testing everybody who's going into this stuff and it's like to what extreme mm-hmm. you know this might be the extreme because yeah. i mean the government doesn't want to talk about this shit either you know it's like i actually like that there is a a, a soul-based idea that this is who he is and he went through this government training and then he walked out of it sort of <laughs> you know oh, not, sure. not not fractured but maybe fractured and like like there's no like there's no idea of like um um dream reality or anything like that like this is the i mean like uh manchurian candidate candidate kind of idea you know well i like i think i've told you this before like i feel like this is like a very much a proto black mirror episode where Mm -hmm. you can have the cake and eat it too of like things aren't adding up and then it's like oh it's somebody like being put under the pressure of tech. Well, not technology, but expectation that is like, that is technology related, right? The space race. Um, so, but yeah, no, this, this is, um, this is a a wonderful start to the series and, um, you know, and I can see why people were like, well, what are we getting next? And that, that next episode was one for the angels. 
where we had um you know was it uh, uh um, was it not Keenan Wynn? was it Keenan? Yeah, we have uh yeah, that guy it was like selling um you know it was, it was the older elder Wynn, his son's Keenan Wynn. anyway selling stuff on the street and then trying to convince well, Mr. Death um, a win. Um, a win. Yeah, yeah. We, we see him later in another episode. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, the clock episode that we don't want to talk about anymore. Um so so yeah, it's like they would go from this to more of a sweetheart happy ending of a story, right? And then we go from that to I think the third episode was Mr. Denton on Doomsday, which is a western and it's like, you know, like they were like very interesting yeah. episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. N- not my favorite. But anyway, so like yeah. <laughs> my sister-in-law loves that episode. I'm sure so. now after riding through all five seasons of the original series and what you and I've been through Terry with everything else, I'm sure if I go back now, I'm going to be more favorable to Mr. Denton on doomsday, but like, you know, I was not at the time, but anyway, we might get there again. We'll so. see. Right. We're going to do a revisit of every episode. Um, no, Perhaps, no, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I've got. A, I sent you a list of all the ones That's I like. That's true. Yeah, of the 130 some, you list sent me a list of 100. So we'll get to them. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all right. Uh, as is customary here on the show, we're going to have to rate that twist, even though it's a revisit. We just got to rate that twist. Twist rating me one through five. That's not indicative of how we feel about the episode, but one meaning like you know, saw from a mile away, and five meaning mind blowing. Terry, I'm going to put it to you first. So, because Leanne, give her a second. Terry, where are you putting the twist at? The twist rating. I, I, I have to lean towards a five here. Um, I really did not expect it turning out this way. Mm-hmm. Um, for everything that I've known about this episode, it really didn't steer me away that I knew that it was going to be some kind of government thing at all. At all. Okay. I'm like, so it's kind of it, like, I know that this is kind of an older episode. You know, I mean, technically, it's one of the <laughs> oldest episodes. Yes, it's, it's the, the oldest. It's it's the you know it's the the second oldest episode of the, the of what we know as the Twilight Zone. Yes, but yeah, it's like I mean, I, I I couldn't I, I like even if like uh, it was like a time lapse where I've not seen this in the years, I, I still it, it it hits really strong. Mm-hmm. All right, so Leanne, one through five, what do you think? Five. Five? five definitely. Yeah, because they don't really give you many hints. All you know is that he feels like someone's watching. Mm-hmm. And I like again, since there's the there's the the dialogue that is completely obvious but not, I'm a sucker for that, like I've said. And so meaning the twist is in front of you the entire time. And mm-hmm. it's like you may you you know something's not right, but you don't know what it is. I'll give that a five as well, uh, just because it's like you know, because Serling knows how to he knows how to like set you up and just deliver like you know the uppercut to to you know to send you out. Like I like I do adore this. So so yeah. So we all gave fives. Yes. Okay. All um, right. Yeah. That's, five, I'm, five. I'm glad that we're well, why uh, not six six six. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that we're in agreement versus when Terry and I um you know came came away from different opinions. Of of uh, the hitcher, I'm kidding, Terry. So, well, I, 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 well, I, I hate that. Like, <laughs> there, there seems to be a disconstruction of like a lot of podcasts right now. Like, I've seen a lot of this on uh, social media lately, where it's like everybody's ingredients. Oh my god, everybody's his best friend when they're going on a podcast. Thank God for that, dude. Seriously, watch the Twilight Zone. Listen to our podcast. You won't see see or hear that ever. I like, mean, no, no, no. We agree a lot, but when we disagree, it's like you know, it's just I don't know. There's it's like there's uh, there's like, no sacred cows, right? Like that's yeah, like, absolutely not. Like so, uh, yeah. it, it, thank you for uh, suggesting this one because I, 
dude, this episode is incredible. Uh, it's I'm so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, 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 and I still think that there's value in exploring the things that, well, of course there's value in exploring things that you love. Right. I like, but the, if you yeah. go up with a head full of steam, just to be a contrarian boy, if you want like eat shit. Okay. Everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fanboy of this episode. Yeah, challenge uh, me. Okay, yeah, right. No, I, I, I fight me in my parking lot. I think I think a lot of people will agree with you. Like you know, as opposed to you know, maybe if there's a secret Hitler, they'd be like, wait a second, wait, we're gonna, like, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna dispute like that the secret Hitler. Like we could all agree Hitler's secret or not is bad, right? Like anyway. So all right. Um, so yeah, that's the more gonna, secret the worse. <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna do it for our revisit for where is everybody? Which I over the moon. I'm sorry, hey, Moon. You stay where you're at. I'm coming for you um, to talk about stay this. Silent. Stay silent. <laughs> Before we talk about what we're doing next, Leanne, uh, tell people where they can find you and what you and your husband do. Uh, well, we have a podcast called Skewered Universe, and um, we do uh, movie reviews. And we call it interstellar interstitials, where we watch a movie in real time, and then we come back every 15 minutes to give our thoughts. And sometimes we have guests to do, like, regular movie reviews. And, like, our last episode, number 70, is our friend Chuck. Um, He and Jeff talk about Terrifier 2. And you can catch us basically everywhere, Apple, Spotify, Google. We also have a website, skewerdhead.com, where Jeff uh, keeps up a blog. There you go. And I was uh, very grateful to have, uh, well, you and I had Jeff on Invasion of the Podcast recently to talk about uh, Twisted Metal. The NBC uh, Peacock series, which is a lot of fun. I I haven't haven't been watching like like religiously, but what I've seen, I really enjoy. Yeah. Sorry, Terry. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm the outsider here. I was like, I, I told Paul, I was like, I'm going to test the waters by listening to your guys' discussion. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm whole hog now. Like I want to, <laughs> I, I, my first introduction to, uh, to twisted metal was the first video game. So I'm like, all right, I'm down. Like yeah. I'm cool with it now. Um, but yeah, like, uh, Leanne, thank you so much for being on here. Like, this is incredible. Uh, thank you for being, um, on a second time. This is like, please come back. Like it's a dream come true. It's literally my favorite podcast. (laughs) God, it's because of Terry. He brings the sex appeal. I understand. So, um, yeah, we got, you know, I'm holding a beer in my hand. Yeah. What we got to do is figure out we've had, we've had Richard on like a handful of times. (laughs) We've had Richard a handful of times. We need to make sure that we get Leanne on more so we can be like, Oh, you've been like our favorite guest. So that way Richard, you know, understands that like he knows his place. I'm I'm kidding. Well, (laughs) but there's also, you know, there's competition because there's El Goro and I mean, everybody loves El Goro. That's true. Uh, He is. He is the most. El Goro, if you're listening eat it eat it <laughs> <laughs> says we are her favorite yeah there you go right now all right so all right so before before we're out the door here uh let's talk about what uh what we're doing next and now mr serling so it's been a it's been an interesting journey the last couple of weeks because i feel like uh, like I just mentioned, we talked about Twisted Metal and the other show that I do. Uh, I was on recently on At the Devil's Ball talking about Mad Max Fury Road. Terry and I, we just covered The Hitcher and Duel. It's been it's been like this weird like car driving part of the summer. Like it's been, I've been talking about a lot of car movies. And so I, I pitched to Terry, like, why not 1986's The Wraith? 
We're going to talk about that next week. That has Charlie Sheen and has um oh uh, the lesser Howard. No, I'm, I'm I'm kidding. It's a uh, Clint Howard, and it's, it, and yeah. it's filled with Tiger Blood. Yes, no, it's Clint. Yeah, right. It's it's um I. I I remember liking this movie. It's been a while. I do have like the nice Blu-ray. It just came out. It's still in plastic. So I'll get to that next week. But yeah, we're going to talk about the Wraith. That's going to be fun. Leanne, do you know the movie or no? No, I don't. Uh, it's basically like a ghostwriter story of like a guy that died like under suspicious like, you know, means. And then suddenly this cool kid shows up with like this badass car and he starts taking out those that killed the other guy. But it may oh. be him incarnate. It may not be. Like, so, and the car that they use was a, like a Chevy prototype car that was like, te- like used during like an auto show, like showing like the future. This car was never put into production, but it's a cool oh, car. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about the Wraith. Uh, Terry's Very never cool. seen it. So, so yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm totally excited about this. Yeah. Dude. So like, that, that's going to do it for this car, week. Car summer, I guess. Yeah. Hot car summer. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so yeah, let's go do it for this week. Everybody have a good week. Uh, in the meantime, I don't know, like, uh, just don't be an asshole and jump over counters and yell breakfast orders. That's what I got to say. Question all reality. Don't harass mannequins. Terribly sorry, madam. I can assure you that at no time did I mean to be so upsetting. As a matter of fact, I've always had kind of a secret yen for the quiet type. Get what I mean, babe?